in spite of everything, just really touch us in a powerful way. And we, we're so grateful for who you are. We have uh, been doing a series, um, JWJ, Journey with Jesus, and it's a lifelong journey. It's a journey that those of us that have decided to follow Jesus, that will take us to the very end. Um, but we picked up this journey uh, with Jesus, with John the Baptist, and we've, we've traveled through the scriptures chronologically, to the most part, to, um, uh, to the end of his life. And, um, you know, most people don't have a problem with Jesus as a person, as a man who walked the earth historically. Uh, they understand that he, you know, taught great moral uh, teachings and that he had a following. Most people will agree with that and, and, and say yes to that. And they might, where the issue really comes is, is Jesus who he says he is? The son of God, the savior of the world, the door, the only pathway there is to God, where he offers unlimited, unconditional love and unlimited grace to all that would embrace who he is. And maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you've been a follower of Christ for a while. And we hope that this is kind of a, a, re, a little bit of a refreshing of the passion and the grace and the love of Jesus for us. And maybe you've grown up in church and, and had a bad experience and, and haven't felt loved and possibly you're sensing um, the need to rediscover who Jesus is. And possibly could be here saying, what's life all about? What is life all about? And on a personal note, that's kind of where I landed. I, I started. That's where I started my journey. What is life all about? Because if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, when I'm 40, 50 years old, I'll be doing what that person is. And that wasn't very appealing to me in uh, the place that I was. So today we're going to con conclu conclude the part of our journey with Jesus that takes him to the place of fulfilling the new covenant and as he's offered his new command, but the movement continues. Oh. So today is the end. But it's also the beginning. So previously, last week, we talked about, you know, Jesus moving into uh, Jerusalem for the Passover. People from all over the known world was coming in to celebrate Passover. Passover being a, a tremendous event for the Jewish people. Remembering uh, 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 they celebrated Passover as uh, Moses of the Old Testament out of Exodus, delivered the people out of captivity under the, the rule of Pharaoh. 
And uh, that was Passover. Passover was remembrance of the day that God delivered his people out of captivity. And as we talked, Jesus actually established a new covenant where he would have um, dinner, this Passover feast with his disciples. And he said, this is my, taking the bread and breaking it, he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then they drink a, a glass of wine together and they, they pass this around. This is my, 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 represents my blood that's being poured out for you. Establishing that new covenant. Not, not you know, transferring the old, but fulfilling the old and establishing a new covenant. And we also know that during that time that Jesus had enemies. You know, his, his fame went everywhere. Everybody was hearing about what Jesus said and did. Remember, just before they celebrated a Passover, he came into Jerusalem, and, they, and everybody was waiting for him. And they were saying, Hosanna, save now, save us now. And in their minds, they're thinking that this would be some kind of political move and that they would become the people known as in the Old Testament where they ruled everything. Save now, possibly, could be meaning save us from the Roman tyranny at that very moment. So Jesus is here, and he's having Passover with his, his disciples. And then in the background, in the backdrop of all of that, we know in John 12, 19, where it says, we're, we're, we're speaking of the Pharisees and, and the high councils and the Sadducees, sad, you see, um, Thank you very much. And they said about Jesus, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And this is what they're saying. Everybody's left us, and they're following him. And so Jesus would establish a new covenant, a new relational agreement between God and mankind. It would be fulfillment of one covenant and the replace, uh, fulfillment of the new covenant and a replacement of the other. And he gave them the terms by talking about the bread and the wine. But the one big condition, now remembering that the law of Moses, in between the law of Moses and the temple, there's like not only the Big Ten, but another 600 in between of laws. A little over 600. But he said, the new covenant command goes like this. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you. This is the new commandment. As I have loved you, you must love one another, and that's the new movement. And we will be unpacking this as, uh, starting next week, unpacking the new movement. What does it mean to be loved by God and love others? What does it mean to, to, to be loved from head to toe, inward and outward, completely loved, with all of our baggage, with all of our dysfunction, with all of our 
shortcomings. What does it mean to be loved by God and with all of that, love others? What does that mean? And how, does it, how do we do that? I'm excited. We are excited. Our whole team's excited about unpacking that. That as the movement continues and as our journey continues with Jesus... And so that night, they're together. And he, he might have seemed a little bit, you know, a little bit distracted. I mean, just try to place yourself that. He knows where he's going. Judas is already done what he's going to do. He knows where he's going. And they have this last dinner together. And he talks about, you know, loving each other. And he has, he's had all these, these conversations. And remember, you know, when you think about um, looking at Matthew 5, what is known as the Beatitudes, and, and, and Jesus was talking to those around him. He's talking about how to love each other, how to forgive each other, how to pray for one another, how to live under, uh, under the umbrella of God and receive and be generous. And it's right in there, he says, they'll know that you're my disciples about how you treat one another, how you love one another. And here he is, he's being a little bit distracted. And after he says, okay, let's go. And so they go to a garden called Gethsemane. And they head there towards Gethsemane. And finally, while they're there praying, and Jesus is, sets apart, says, you guys wait here. You three wait here. And he goes and prays. And we see that Jesus is not only God, but fully human. And he says, Lord, Father, if it's possible, if this cup could be moved away from me, let it be so. But not my will be done, which is great modeling, great prayer modeling for all of us. Not my will be done, but yours. You might want to write that down somewhere or, or go to scriptures and underline it. Not my will be done, but yours. And, and I, just a little sidebar as we're just talking about that. Possibly, possibly when we pray, we're trying to have God line up with our will, right? Have you ever felt that way? Lord, I know you have nothing but the best for me, and this is it. <laughs> Let me just unpack that for you to make sure you, that you know. I know that you're God, and you're omnipotent, and you're omnipresent, and all of that, and you know everything, and you knew everything before I was even born, but just in case... Can I have my will line up? Can my will, can you, can you take my will and make it happen? And so possibly in somewhere in our prayer life, you might, you might get to the point where you might want to just say, Lord, not my will, but your will, because I trust you. Because you love me unconditionally. And your grace towards me is unlimited. I trust your plan for my life. And so there in Gethsemane, everything goes wrong. For the kingdom, it goes right. But everything goes wrong. Because think about it like this. Everything that Jesus had been saying to the disciples and all the expectation of the people around him, the miracles that he did, everything that they seen and all, all of the, the fame that went out about him. And then all of a sudden, this group of temple soldiers come with Isaac. And Isaac says, the one I kiss on the cheek is the Messiah, is the one. 
And he does so. You know, and Peter mans up and tries to protect Jesus. And Jesus looks to him and says, put your sword away, Peter. The person that lives by the sword dies by the sword. Put it away. And then Mark 14, 50 tells us, after they'd taken away, it says, Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. They all left him. Then they took Jesus to the council, the high priests. And in Mark 14, 55, it says, Inside the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could not put him, so they could put him to death. But they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. So it was a little bit confusing. In verse 16, he said, Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? These men are accusing you. Don't you have anything to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked them, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One, the Son of God? Are you it or not? In verse 62, Jesus says this. Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting in the hot... In the place of power, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power of God, right, God's right hand, coming on the clouds of heaven. We got him. He just condemned himself. And then the high priest ripped his clothes. The show his response of horror to what Jesus just said. And he said, blasphemer, blasphemer, liar. And he turns to everybody, what's your verdict? And they all shouted, guilty, he's guilty. He's guilty. And then those around him began to spit on him, slap him. Moving on, as the text tells us in Matthew, excuse me, Mark 15, it says, very early in the next morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law, the entire high council met to discuss their next step. Okay, what do we do now? They bound Jesus, led him away. They took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Next step. Next step. Having determined that Jesus' guilt, they needed the Romans to carry out their verdict. They needed the Romans. 
Their plan was to get Pilate to do their bidding quickly before sundown on the Sabbath. And then John 18, 28 tells us this. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas, Peter, Caiaphas the high priest, ended in the early hours of the morning. It ended early. His accusers did not go inside because it would have defiled them. Now remember, these are good Jewish people. Being de- what does it mean to be defiled? To go into the governor's house. A Gentile, a Roman. And they would have had to have gone through this whole ritual to be, cleanse themselves, to be able to, to be a part of the Passover dinner. So they wouldn't go in there. So what happens? Pilate comes out to them. And he says, what are the charges against this man? They said, they kind of, in a, kind of a, they retorted, kind of in a sly way. Look, we wouldn't even have brought him to, to you if he didn't deserve what we're saying. So why are you even questioning us? Why are you even, we can't believe this. You like to kill people, right? Romans were known for their tyranny. And besides that, Pilate was known not to like the Jews. Matter of fact, he lived outside of Jerusalem. He did not like to be around there. He didn't like the Jews. And then Pilate says, you guys take him away and judge him by your own laws. Verse 33 John 18, it says this, And then Pilate went back into the headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you, he says, are you, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, Is this your own question? Or do you others tell you, did others tell you about me? Is this your own question? Or is this kind of, the, the coming out of the rumor mill, right? Jesus goes on and says in verse 35, I am a Jew. Pilate says, excuse me, Pilate says, am I a Jew? Am I a Jew? Do I look like a Jew to you? Basically what he's saying. Pilate goes on to say, he says, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for a trial. Why? What have you done? Why have they brought you to me? And what have you done? And then Jesus answered, and we need to hear this. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not bound to this earth. If it were, my followers would have fought to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate goes, so you are a king. Now, just if you can, just kind of use a little bit of your, your, your imagination. You got... Pilate standing right here, and, and you just see, you can, you can just see the look on his face as he's looking at Jesus. So, 
Yeah, so you are a king. Good luck with that. You know, so... And as we continue on, in Luke 23, it tells us that the Pilate turned to the leading priests in the crowds, and he said, I find nothing wrong with this guy. So what? He says he's a king. Big deal. I don't find anything wrong with him. And it might be because, you know, Pilate was probably, it could be. Now, this is my, you know, I'm kind of projecting this. It could be that he kind of sees what's going on with the Sanhedrin. He's kind of saying, these guys are trying to manipulate me. You know, so it could be that. You know, he'd been around a while. And he probably doesn't want to do them any favors. Anything that looks like they want him to do something, he's probably going, I don't think I want to. Just saying. As I, I, that's not for sure, but as I'm thinking about it, you know, and the, I think about the history and I think about who Pilate was. Well, then they became very insistent. Pushy, insistent, pushy. No, we want our way. I'm pushing it. But he's causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judah, Galilee, and Jerusalem. This guy is a pain. He's causing it. It's a big deal. And so Pilate, at that point, he sends him to Herod. And Herod and his family built the existing temple. They send him to Herod. And while he's in front of Herod, Herod goes, well, why don't you show me some of your miracles? Why don't you show me some of your, you know, messianic stuff, all that, some of your teaching. I've heard about you. I'd really like to see this with my own eye. And Jesus does nothing. And so Herod sends him back and says, I don't, I don't really see what's going on. I don't see the problem, really. And then there in 20... Uh, 23, Luke 23, 14, it says, And he announced his verdict. He brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a riot. I have examined him. This is back to Pilate. I have, I have examined him thoroughly on the point that it was presented to find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion. Pilate says, Look, we're not seeing what you're seeing. Herod concurs with my, my decision. And so there they are. He sent back, and then, in verse 18, it says, Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him, and re- release to us Barabbas. And so, you know, Pilate said, all this stuff is going on around him. And then as you move on to John 19, it says, Then, then Pilate has Jesus flogged, and it isn't, you know, the flog, he's got a whip, it's got pieces of metal in it. I mean, this, this, this is, m- most people that get flogged like this did not survive. They didn't survive the flogging. They died. And so Pilate has him flogged. The soldiers give him a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and they give him a purple robe. And then Pilate has him brought back out to him, and... Um, In verse 3, it says, Hell, king of the Jews, they mocked. This is the soldiers. And they slapped him across the face. And then Pilate went out again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now. So he has Jesus come out in the robe and, and the crown of thorns on his head. 
And Jesus came out wearing the crown and the thorns and, and the robe. And Pilate said, look, here is this man. And when they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourself and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. I find him not guilty. And the Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. By our laws, he needs to die. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. All of a sudden, something changed with that comment. So he took Jesus back inside. And he says, where are you from? This Pilate speaking to Jesus. Where are you from? And Jesus didn't give him an answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? The decision is in my hands, is what he's saying. And then Jesus said, you have no power over me at all, unless it were given to you from above. You have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. You hear what Jesus has said? The ones that handed me to you have the greater sin. And then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, shouted, if you release this man, you, now listen to this, there's a big turning point, you are not a friend of Caesar if you release this man to us. You are not a friend of Caesar's, we only have only one king, and this is what they said, the high priests, the Jewish leaders, temple guards. We only have one king, and it is Caesar. Wow. And at this point, at this very point, Pilate has no choice. He has no choice. He was backed into a corner. He had no choice but to follow through. When they had said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to him again. And then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. The judgment seat. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. So he's still trying to rub their nose in it. And he goes on in verse 15, away with him. They yelled, away with him, crucified him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. We have, this is a leading priest. We have no king but Caesar. It's interesting, just the thought, what we're willing to compromise in our values and belief system to get our way. What we're willing to compromise 
in our value system and our belief system to get our way? That's a good question for all of us, don't you think? That's a good question for all of us. I'll let you sit with Jesus with that one. So Pilate condemns him. In Mark 15, 22, it says, And they brought Jesus to a place called Gal- Galgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. And then the soldiers, then the soldiers nailed him to a cross. And as they're nailing him to the cross, you can hear the agony scream out from his mouth. That was about 9 o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. Some years later, many years later actually, Constantine, um, in the 4th century, banned the method of uh, this method of execution. It was just, well, really, it was just cruel. Many people that were crucified were forced to be crucified. Were forced. They were condemned to be crucified. But this, you need to think about, especially as you and, we, you and I read the gospel. But one chose crucified. One chose. One chose to go this path for you and I and for the world. One chose. And so we know that after Jesus gave up, where he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he committed his spirit into the Father's hands, and he died. And we know that Joseph of Arthamarthia was a secret disciple, as the Scripture says. And he asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body and, 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 and to take him to the tomb, to take his body away. And it says in John 19, 39, it says, With him was Nicodemus. Remember when we talked about Nicodemus, Nick at night, when he came to Jesus? And if you weren't with us, you can get that online. But Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, was with him. The man who'd come to Jesus at night and he brought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and, uh, and all kinds of uh, what they, things that they use to bury. And they went, as, and as custom would have it, they went and they wrapped Jesus' body and they put him in a sheet and they put him in the tomb. But the Pharisees were, you know, they were fairly, you know, they weren't, they were smart and intuitive. And so the next day, 
On the Sabbath, the leading priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate on the Sabbath. They told him, sir, we remember what this deceiver once said when he was still alive. Okay, this man is dead, dead. But when he was alive, this is what he said. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you would seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent the disciples from coming and stealing his body. I mean, we want to nick and tuck this thing away really well. And so Pilate says, deal. Sends a couple of guards there, seals the tomb, tucked away. Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the lawyers, the sad, you see, slept really well that night. They slept really well. We got him gone. He's gone. Everybody expected that Jesus would do what people die do. But little did they know what was going to happen. Earth shakes. And Jesus rises from the grave. See, they thought it was the end. But actually, it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. It was brand new for the world. And for you and I, it was done. Let's have uh, the worship team come forward. As I said, as I began this morning, I began with, um, you know, many people don't have a problem with Jesus, the man that walked the earth. Where we get stumbled up is people coming back alive after they've been dead for a few days. That's, that's where we get challenged, right? That's, that's where logically in our heads that we just can't wrap our, our minds around that. And uh, Hebrews tells us that hope, uh, faith is the same things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. And um, I just can tell you that today, with my whole heart, with everything in me, everything around me, that Jesus is who he says he is. That he loves each and every one of us unconditionally. And his provision for us is unlimited. That's who he is. And that he's here for every one of us. And wherever you are at, wherever you are at this very moment, the Lord will meet you because that's his nature, wherever that is. Maybe you're a skeptic. Jesus will meet you. And it's okay to be a skeptic. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to say, look, I'm not really sure, but I'm willing to try to discover this. I'm willing to 
to see, because I've tried many things out there and I've come, I've, I've come up wanting and unfulfilled. So, we're going to take our offering now. This is a, a great time for you to put your um, connect cards in the offering bag. And if you're a guest with us, please don't not feel obligated. It's kind of the best way we, that we figured out to take care of some family business. Um, you're fine. And... Um, but I want to say this, you know, when it comes to being a follower of Christ, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is receive. And when we say give, when we talk about giving and generosity, we're talking about our time. We're talking about our, our, our substance, our things, and we're also talking about our finances. And so that's what we talk about. When we talk about generosity and giving, we're talking about those three areas. And we're going to, you know, as we move forward, we'll talk about those and how those can be practically lived out. But thank you for your generosity and your commitment to us here at Oasis. So we're going to sing a song or two. I'm going to invite um, our ministry team to come up. And during any time during our worship, um, if you're dealing with any kind of physical issue, Maybe there was something I said, and you just feel, you know, like, I need to renew myself with Jesus. I, I just, I, you know what, I, I've kind of been on my own walkabout. I need to re- renew myself with Jesus. Let it, let's pray together. Now, I'm going to stay up here and be up here also uh, at the same time as we stand up here when we, we have these couple of songs. Just come forward. We'll be up here, and we'd love to just minister to you during this time. And um, but I'll be up here too. Uh, so why don't you stand with me? We'll sing a couple of songs. You know, when somebody stands with you, possibly put their hands on their shoulder and agrees with you in prayer in the powerful name of Jesus, it's a turning point. It's a change. It's a renewal. And... um, In the name of Jesus, life burdens get broken. Things have to change because of the name of Jesus. Have to. Have to change. Because where there is light, there cannot be darkness. Where there is Jesus, other things must flee. Must. And maybe you're here this morning and and there's just all this stuff that's going through you right now. The enemy's coming and telling you why you don't deserve to be free. Why you don't deserve to be loved. Why you don't deserve that unconditional love or don't deserve the unlimited grace. I am telling you, as I'm standing right here, 
that is a, just a crock and a lie. And a lie. And we want, each and every one of us, we want to love on each other and we want you to be as free as you possibly can be in Christ Jesus. And that's why we have ministry team. That's why we have people. That's why we're so passionate about praying for people. Because we know it changes things. Now, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't have to you know, walk things out. All of us have to make decisions and choices for Christ, right? Every day. Every day. I mean, I'm telling you, this right here, love stuffed is not good. Am I communicating? It's just not good for me. And I always constantly got to tell it, stop it. Stop it in Jesus' name. Forget it in Jesus' name. Works. So let me pray for us all. If you don't know, if you know the Jesus of the Bible that walked the earth, that's one thing. But if you don't know the Jesus that rose from the dead, we want to talk. And you want to know him? Come up here. I'll be standing right here. These ladies over here will be standing right here. They can tell you all about the Jesus that left the grave, that reigns today. Jesus that saves people from dark stuff. That Jesus. So Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, the power that comes and just speaking out, out the word Jesus and reverence and hopefulness and gratitude and desperation. We say that name, Jesus, and we say, come, Jesus, come. And let your unfailing love touch each and every one of us in a new and fresh way. In a new and fresh way, we ask these things. In the name of the Father, the powerful name of Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit. And we all say together, amen. Amen. So come up and get prayer. God bless you.